Good morning, good evening, good afternoon. Welcome to another edition of the off-season edition of the DFS Dreamer Podcast here on the Fantasy Impact Today Network. I am Wes Easley, one of your hosts at Lofinit over on Twitter. And of course, I have with join, uh, joining me today, Pierre at Peewee31 over there on Twitter. Dave, we're doing a great job too, Pierre, in this offseason. We're going over NFL schedules. We're doing the NBA playoffs. We're doing some MLB stuff. But we got a little surprise because we're recording early enough today to bring a little surprise to our DFS Streamer podcast listeners. Yeah, yeah, we finally got a, an early time that worked for both of us, and we can kind of dive back into the, the DFS that the, the DFS streamer is known for. So a couple slates on a couple sports tonight, and it'll be good to, to talk a little DFS again. It's been a while. It has been. We're going to do cricket. We're covering cricket this evening and <laughs> water polo. Water polo. And cricket's popular, man. I'm telling you, we'll have to figure that out. I think cricket's <laughs> more popular. Even Chris Paul, I don't know if you saw this, like Chris Paul, like, invested. And a cricket team, so he he must have caught word too. I, I I don't know. I did, <laughs> I had a water polo joke, and you just start talking cricket. You, <laughs> that's fine. That's fine. Save you from yourself. <laughs> hey, and we've been talking a little bit about a big announcement that the DFS Dreamers and Fantasy Impact today want to bring to the listeners, and that big announcement is this. Are you ready? Do, do Let's we do have it. a drum roll? Do we have a drum roll? <laughs> and, Terrible. That's terrible. <laughs> I've been practicing go. all. I don't know if that's a motorboat or. or <laughs> hey, Prize Picks. We're, we're partnering up with Prize Picks over here on the Fantasy Impact Today Network. And what Prize Picks is going to do is give you a hundred percent deposit match. So it doesn't matter if you deposit five bucks, ten bucks, twenty bucks, twenty-five bucks. They're gonna they're gonna match that deposit, whatever it is. All you gotta do is use the code FI today. No underscore, no nothing. Fi today, unless like you're Irish or something, then maybe it's fit o day. Maybe maybe you'd like to say that. Day. <laughs> Hello, I am fit o day talking to you now live. <laughs> we are off the rails early. <laughs> no, use the code though fi today, and you'll get a hundred percent hundred percent deposit match. And, and I love Prize Picks. It's 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 DFS is what it is. It's it's regulated as DFS. It may not be in your state, so you got to download the app to find that out. But if it is, you can deposit anything you want to, and they'll match it a hundred percent. But this pier, what I like about it is it's real easy. Like with baseball and stuff like that, you mm-hmm. can do the pitchers, and it, it has you the fantasy scores. It's kind of almost just like uh, uh, what's well, not. It's not uh, DraftKings. It's not Yahoo. It's the other one that I never play. What's that one? FanDuel. FanDuel. It's like it's just like FanDuel scoring over there. I think for the most part, and right. and I love doing it. I love playing the pitchers. So I'll be posting some pitcher things, uh, a pitcher prop bets, I guess, or DFS bets over there on my Loafnet account, and, and of course retweeting it at the FI Today with a little underscore account uh, as well. I love doing the pitcher ones. I've I've started getting into the hitter ones as well because they'll have hitters like all they gotta do is get a half a base hit, a half a hit or a half a run. You know, and that those are wonderful. They'll have the fantasy scores up there too, where, you're, where like a pitcher only has to get maybe twenty points, thirty points, thirty-five points, maybe for a big pitcher going that night. And I love, and all you gotta do, over or under, whatever whatever they post. So over or under, real easy. You got a fifty-fifty shot at doing it, and they do a lot of different. I, I don't know, uh, promotions themselves, in-house promotions. Once you sign up, they do a lot of in-house promotions. The other day, they gave me a free twenty-five bucks. Pierre. Yeah, that's and they said, no, they said here, here, place any wager, place uh, you'll play twenty five dollars worth of bets on any MLB contest tonight, and if you lose, we'll refund it. If you win, you keep it. That's easy, yeah. right? It's smart. It's smart marketing too to to keep you engaged and 
you know, it's kind of risk-free, you know, to, to, to be on there and put that 25 up. If you get it back, obviously, I'm, I'm sure down the road, they hope that you, you know, continue to play with them. But that's pretty smart marketing for, for prize picks. It doesn't, doesn't happen here. Like, Indiana's not regulated yet for, for prize picks. But I'm familiar with it. Uh, it does seem like a, a pretty good deal, especially if you're into fantasy sports. Um, it's uh, a good prediction on kind of what's going to happen on the, the fantasy slate that night. And like you said, you know, that 0. 0.5 is, is basically a single. And all of a sudden, you're, you're cashing out. I think you got to put a couple uh, together, like two or three together. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. But still, it's uh, it could be a lot easier in DFS some days, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's just another way to play. And I still play my tournaments over there on Yahoo and on DraftKings. And I play the showdown lineups that I like really like as well. But I, I love prize picks and all those things that they're doing. They even give you stuff. Taco Tuesdays. Ta- they give you like a taco. <laughs> they give you something free. And, and like they'll take they'll take five points off the MLB stuff. I love it. All right. So anyway, prize picks. Use the code FI today, and you'll get a hundred percent deposit match. And tell them tell them Wes sent you, and and they'll make make sure they take care of you. Okay. So Pierre, we're going to do that a little bit. We're also going to go over our NFL depth charts, just like we have been, and let's wander up. Let's take a little train. Let's let's hop in the old train and head up to the NFL. Where are we going? AFC East. Yes. The East. All right. Let's go up there, and we're going to start with the Buffalo Bills, Pierre. Let's start over that way because, to me, they are – I don't know if they're the perennial favorites all the time anymore because you always have the Patriots there, right? But, man, it seems like Buffalo is just the team to beat the last couple of years, uh, especially after Tom Brady left the Patriots. Am I right on that feeling? Yeah, I think that's pretty accurate. Um, last couple of years, it's definitely been the, the Bills' divisions to win. Uh, I think New England kind of had a, a turnaround more quickly than folks thought they would last year and, and gave them a run for their money. But the, the Bills ultimately won out. Uh, ultimately, they're one of the favorites in the, the whole NFL, I believe. Obviously, Josh Allen's kind of the leader of that. Uh, arch enemies there with the, the Chiefs there. So we'll see how that plays out this year. But, you know, still a good team. Uh, they got a little bit younger. You know, they they didn't bring back Emmanuel Sanders, didn't bring back Beasley. So, uh, a guy like Gabe Davis, who had a, a really big, you know, showing there against the Chiefs in that big playoff matchup, should get some opportunities. He's going to be the wide receiver, too, there with Stefan Diggs on the opposite side. Um, brought in Jamison Crowder in the slot, you know, to replace Beasley. So he had some pretty good years with the Jets. We'll see how they blend him in. Uh, but good young team, good defense. Uh, definitely the the favorites, again, I feel, in the AFCs. Yeah, a big loss for them, losing Mitch Trubisky, you know, as the backup quarterback. <laughs> they got Josh Allen. They brought in Case Keenum, Matt Barkley there. Devin Singletary and Zach Moss are still in that backfield, but they are joined by some little electrifying rookie there. James Cook, Pierre, he's he's back in that backfield. He's in that backfield now. And Duke Johnson is there, too. What a what a big backfield. We always want to look for a fantasy output, and I was, I was ready to jump on the Devin Singletary train after that great showing. <laughs> at the end of the year now i'm looking at it going oh no not again i know it got cloudy real quick and i think many were like that like singletary finished the year really strong uh regular season and kind of there at the end the playoffs and then they they bring in cook uh just to give more competition duke johnson's capable of stealing you know carries as well we've seen that at different stops that he's had and uh zach moss kind of seems like the the odd man out which is weird because he was one of the guys that was getting pushed over the last couple of years that many thought would take over that backfield from Singletary, you know, he's down there fourth in the depth chart now. So it'll be interesting. I still think they will be a, a pass first team. 
so it'll be more the the receivers and, and tight ends. I think that will benefit, but it'll be interesting kind of how the, the preseason plays out, how training camp plays out to to see, you know, who comes out on top with the depth chart. I do expect it to still be Singletary, uh, but I can see Cook definitely still in a bunch of carries like Zach Moss did initially before he kind of faded away. Yeah, I, I guess I, I don't. I don't know. Uh, it, it, Cook really impressed me. Whenever I was able to watch him, uh, mm-hmm. I was always like, "Ooh, he's he's got a little extra hopping, his little giddy up there." But Devin Singletary is the same way. We'll have to. It'll be curious to see how they use those guys. I still love their wide receiving core: Stephon Diggs, Gabriel Davis, Isaiah mm-hmm. McKenzie was one of those guys last year too who started finding his way all around the field, right? I mean, it, was, it yeah. seemed like he was one of those guys that found his way all the way around, around the field. Jamison Crowder is brought in. Is, is, would you say? I, I guess I guess he's an upgrade over Beasley, right? I mean, I think he can be. So Beasley was reliable. Uh, I think Crowder's going to be more athletic. Uh, I think they'll they, they have pretty pretty much a, a similar you know route tree. I, I feel yeah. uh, it's and just, injury injury history yeah, too. That yeah, means. injuries as well. So it's just going to depend. I mean, Crowder, I feel like he had bigger bigger years when he stayed healthy with the Jets. Um, I could be remembering that wrong. I think he's even with Washington a bit there as well, where yeah. he had some pretty big years. So yep. if he can if he can stay on the field, you know, he he's got probably the best quarterback he's had since he's been in the NFL. So I'll be interested to see kind of how that plays out with Josh Allen throwing him the ball instead of Sam Darnold or a rookie Zach Wilson and things along those lines. Yeah, maybe a little bit better route runner than Beasley was. I, I don't know. I will have to wait and see. Uh, hopefully it opens up some things for Stephon Diggs there for him. I love the tight end situation, too, of the room. Dawson Knox was one of those guys last year who I thought was a sleeper tight end whenever he was able to play. He he, he gives us a little injury problems throughout the season. O.J. Howard is brought in there as well. I, here's the, here's my thing on O.J. Howard. I'm I'm not buying into it at all. uh, Well, I mean, he's an Alabama guy, and one of the things I always heard with O.J. Howard is that he couldn't find his way to the stadium, all right? so (laughs) And and if he couldn't stick down there in Tampa Bay with with all the situation that they have going down there, Tom Brady and all the leadership and everything they have down there, and maybe he left for the the money or whatever, I don't know. It's just going to be harder for me to to believe in anything with O.J. Howard. Yeah, folks have kind of just been waiting. Uh, he, he's kind of felt like a sleeper. You know, he was a, a early round pick uh, coming to Alabama, uh, but he's been on the IR multiple times and he really couldn't even, you know, kind of separate mm-hmm. himself from Cameron Brake, as you mentioned, nope. uh, down when Gronk was, was hurt a bit for Tampa. Now Gronk, you know, may not even come out of retirement. He might he might stay retired for all we know. And he, he still left and went to Buffalo. Not sure he's going to surpass Dawson Knox. Um, who's young and talented if he couldn't surpass Cameron Braid. So uh, uphill battle, I would definitely be cautious on the yes. whole sleeper sleeper title for O.J. Howard. Yeah, well, and, and let me just say this. We've been waiting. I've been waiting for O.J. Howard for all those years that he was at Alabama, all those years he was in Tampa, <laughs> all those years. It's just, it's never changed. It's yeah. the same thing, okay? It's Sometimes the they are who they are. Yeah, they are. They are. And let's go over to New England. Then speaking of Alabama, we'll go over to Mac Jones, who had a stellar year last year with the New England Patriots. He's backed up by Brian Hoyer. So that's always there uh, being dependable for him. But Mac Jones impressed us last year. Uh, Pierre, he's not what tier. I mean, we got that top tier of quarterbacks. Then we got that second tier of quarterbacks. Is is Mac Jones in that second tier or he's in that third tier of okay, I'm going to pick one stud and then I'll just wait around till the end and then it's Mac Jones. Yeah, I think he's that third tier still. Um, 
He's good. Uh, but there's just a couple things that I'm concerned about. One being Josh McDaniels being with the Raiders now. So a new offensive coordinator, that's going to change some things. Uh, we'll see how that plays out. A lot of folks, you know, felt like McDaniels was kind of the, the offensive mastermind a bit for New England. Uh, there is a system there. Obviously, they had Tom Brady, uh, who was great. But you, you've seen guys like, you know, Matt Castle fill in and be successful. You know, Hoyer at times uh, successful. They had even high hopes for like Stedham, who they traded today to the Raiders to, to follow Josh McDaniels. I believe they gave oh. up a seventh and Jarrett Stedham to the Raiders for a six-round pick. So um, what what effects that going to have on the New England offense when it, when it comes to McDaniels being gone? I do like Mac Jones. Uh, I feel like he, he's talented. He he will, he had a better showing than I thought compared to other uh, rookie quarterbacks last year. Could that be the system potentially? Uh, but they, they did try to add a little bit. They went out and got Devontae Parker from the Dolphins to give him a weapon. Drafted a Tyquan Thornton. So, you know, they're, they're trying to get some weapons around him. This is after, you know, signing guys like Kendrick Bourne and, and Nelson Aguilar the year before. So they'll give him an opportunity. I'm, I'm sure they'll be around. They're a good, well-rounded organization. Um, but I still just have him down a lower tier, tier when it comes to quarterback play itself. Well, that's the things I look at whenever I see how effective Mac Jones is going to be this year. It's his weapons. I, I mean, mm -hmm. Jacoby Myers, okay, fine. We're still waiting, right? We're still waiting. Yeah. Devontae Parker, he, he, uh, I'm not putting any eggs in Devontae <laughs> Parker's basket. I'll just Kendrick Bourne is the same way there. I mean, it was just all those all those players, I don't think they're going to do any better in the New England system. They were in better systems to me for wide receivers beforehand. Even Nelson mm -hmm. Aguilar you're talking about and Nikhil Harry, we're still waiting for him. Ty Montgomery, he's a wide receiver on the, on the Patriots now. <laughs> it's just crazy to look at this. I don't like Mac Jones's weapons at all. I don't know that how many how many of these wide receivers we're going to be picking up in any of these redraft leagues. It's almost like this whole team. I don't want any part of it because even the the running backs, Damian Harris or Ramondre Stevenson, which which one? Who do we want? Which who are we going to draft first? Yeah, it's tough. They're 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 just a team, so they're they're not a uh, these individuals. These are superstars. I think they're just going to be a good team. Okay. And you mentioned some of those receivers. Like that's who they had last year and you know yep. they're in the playoffs yeah so keep that in mind and you know mac jones will be another year under his belt uh he still threw for over 38 you know 100 yards 22 touchdowns last year with the guys you just named off um that's without parker uh who they added without thornton who's the the um the rookie that they brought in so i mean they could be better um uh, they're they're not you know oh big name superstars guys that are going to jump out at you but sometimes, and I think the Patriots have shown this, it just takes a good team. They turn guys, you know, like a Troy Brown, um, like a like David Patton, those type of guys into bigger names just because the ball spread out um, and they have quarterbacks who can get it in their hands. And I think Matt Jones will be able to do that. Okay, but not from a fantasy perspective. We're, they're not, sure. I mean, they're, you're right. I mean, a good team. I agree with you. They'll be a good team. They'll always be there as a team-wise. They'll lean heavily on their defense. Mm -hmm. I think that may be the first uh, New England Patriot person off the board in a fantasy rooms is the defense. or so. That <laughs> but one, one or two of those guys are going to be relevant is, is all I was trying to get to. Like, we don't know, but there's a lot okay. of eh on there, but one or two are going to be relevant just because the the organization that the Patriots are. 
Hunter Henry and Jonu Smith, Jonu Smith never broke out last season. A lot of people thought that he was going to be that guy last year, you know, and, and he never ended up being. Hunter Henry was very touchdown dependent when it came to fantasy purposes last season. I think it's going to be the same way. I don't know why that would change any whatsoever. I think Hunter Henry is one of those tight ends that you can get that you if you don't get out on the upper echelon tier, but he's going to be very touchdown dependent, Pierre. Am I right? You're right. And it's similar to last year. Uh, I think there'll be that a tier below, you know, those those top guys that you can just kind of wait on and hope that you get a game where he gets a couple scores because uh, he's going to be involved. Tight ends have always been involved. At least that's the, the, the thought process. So you look again with McDaniels, does that change at all? But you, you look at Gronk and obviously the Aaron Hernandez pairing before, you know, all that tragedy stuff happened. But they, they've always done like two tight end type of situations. Uh, they have it again with, with Hunter Henry and Johnny Smith. Johnu could be a similar to OJ Howard where he just is who he is and there is no breakout coming but I mean Hunter Henry will be he'll be fine uh, just like he was fine with the Chargers probably will so, never hit that that peak that you want but he'll he'll be serviceable so I want to start a fantasy league where right. you where you do RBBCs Okay, you do QBBCs, you do RBBCs, you do WRBBCs. All the committees. Yes, all the committees. I want it just like a defense because when I look at a running back situation like the our Buffalo Bills that we just talked about, when we look at the New England Patriots that we're looking yeah. at right now, I, I would love for it just to be an RBBC. I would love to take the entire team, but I don't want one individual above any other in this in this backfield because I love the way Ramondes he he looked he looked like the better running back to me than Damian Harris, and you know Damian Harris is an Alabama guy and I love him, mm-hmm. but physically speaking. Ramondre Stevens just looked better to me out there on the field, and it's hard for me to get that over my head whenever I think about taking Damian Harris and redraft. Yeah, you're, you're right. most weeks, most weeks. I mean, Damian Harris had a couple big weeks himself. Um, I had him on a couple of teams, so I know. But yeah, overall, um, I test. I, I felt like Ramondre Stevenson definitely looked better. But I mean, it's a, a good problem to have. You know, one goes down, you got the other. And they even drafted. You know, Pierre, there's a, there's a Pierre yeah, I know. Uh, <laughs> that's their uh, fourth round pick, uh, Pierre Strong out of South Dakota State. So they're, they even add it to the room. We haven't even brought up James White, who's always been there. At least he was Tom Brady's kind of security blanket there on, on third downs. But He's questionable already. <laughs> <laughs> he is. It's early. But, I mean, it's deep, uh, deep running backs. I think they're going to prefer to run the ball like they always do. And it's good to have options uh, when that's the kind of style you're playing. All right, Pierre, let's let's take a little road trip over here to New York, if you don't mind. Let's go over to the Joe Flacco-led New York Jets. <laughs> there you go. There's your guy. Smoking hey, too. Uh, well, yeah, but I mean, you got Mike White back there, too. Neither one of them are any contest. Uh, yeah, I guess they're no contest for Zach Wilson. This is Zach Wilson's <laughs> team. Zach Wilson did a pretty good job last season. I think mm-hmm. we missed out on some of the rushing abilities that he maybe has and can bring to the table. But at the same time, I don't think that that's what uh, the system is in, in New York. I don't think they want him to rush the ball. I think they want him to throw it. <laughs> they do. They want him to throw the ball. But it's good to to know that he can scramble. Uh, he can get out of situations because they, they did have some issues with their offensive line as well. Uh, so we'll we'll see how that plays out. I know Mekhi Becton hasn't really uh, became the tackle that they want him to be. But they're they're building around Zach Wilson. So they have confidence in him. Uh, he's going to actually – I feel like he has a pretty solid coaching staff there with Salah still under the, the, the helm there as head coach. And, you know, they're getting more weapons. They went out and got, you know, Garrett Wilson out of Ohio State. 
Uh, that's the, the pairing with Elijah Moore, who had some pretty big showings last year. Uh, Corey Davis uh, should be back healthy. Then your guy, uh, at least from a DFS standpoint, they re-signed it, and Braxton Berrios. So hey, uh, he, he's got some options. CJ Uzama, um, they brought him in from the Bengals at tight yeah. end. So I think they even got Conklin, didn't they get yeah, Conklin Tyler from Conklin's the, right from there the too, Vikings? Uh-huh. So mm-hmm. two tight ends. Zach Wilson has options, and so he's he's still young. He was kind of forgotten about. Had some injuries a bit. Obviously, Lawrence was number one. Then you had the the stuff with Trey Lance in, in San Francisco, Phil's in Chicago. But Zach Wilson's going to be interesting from fantasy purposes if he can turn into the quarterback that the Jets think he is. Yeah, and they brought in Brees Hall, and I think that that's a crowded running back room, which every single one of them has <laughs> been so far. But uh, Brees Hall looks like he's going to be at the top of the depth chart. Do you mm-hmm. think he'll be able to beat out Michael Carter? Or I, I don't want to say Ty Johnson, but I mean. I, I think don't... he will. Um, I think Carter's going to be more a third down type of back. I think that's what they wanted last year. Uh, just didn't pan out with some of the injuries to Tevin Coleman and others. But I think that's what their hope is. For Carter to, to be more of that pass catching back. I know Hall can do that a bit as well, but it's good. I mean, I'm telling you, it's good to have options uh, when it comes oh, to sure. the, the backfield. You guys get hurt a lot more uh, being running backs. So it's just good to, to be able to have a guy that can come in, fill in. And I think that running back by committee is just getting bigger and bigger because of that. You see the wear and tear on some of these guys like McCaffrey, for example, you want to be able to just, help the load. Hopefully like even my own team, you know, I know Jonathan Taylor's great, you know, but we got Naeem Hines. We had Marlon Mack a bit last year. You want to be able to, to not wear these guys, these guys down because their shelf life isn't that long to begin with. All roads lead to Indianapolis for you. Don't they Peter? They just all <laughs> Better than Chicago. <laughs> that wide receiver room, you touched on it a little bit, man, it's got a lot of big names and I mm-hmm. big young names. Okay. So this is a yeah. young team, an up and coming team. I'm not sure where they're going to finish this year. I don't think that it's going to be playoff bound. I don't, but it's a tough division. They're, they're in a really tough division, but you mentioned Elijah Moore, Corey Davis, Braxton Berrios, Denzel Mims, Jeff Smith, who even made a little bit of a fantasy impact last year. Mm-hmm. And then Garrett Wilson, like you said, bringing him in there, that that's a lot of weapons. I love the, the, CJ Uzama as well. He's he's that dependable guy who who should be able to solidify that tight end room a little bit there. Tyler Conklin, of course, will be that blocking back, but CJ Uzama should be able to open up some things in the middle of the field for those other guys to really do some damage on the outside. That, that that's a that's a good yeah. looking young team, man. I mean, and, and Conklin can catch. He he showed last year he can catch, and I mean, they even got Rucker out of Ohio State. Um, I, I thought he was a, a pretty good tight end there as well. So he's their tight end three. So they're they're talented. Oh, I didn't even see that? It'll be it'll be interesting to see what the Jets do. Big defensive side of the ball. Two yeah. first round picks as well. You know, they got Sauce Gardner. Uh, they were able to get Jermaine Johnson late in the first. So um, Carl Lawson hopefully is, is healthy this year. So they're. They'll be an interesting team. The the AFC East is going to be better than people realize, I feel. Yes, there may be a bunch of uh, playoff teams out of there. I just don't think the Jets are one of them. Let's go over to the little Alabama conference, uh, the team Miami Dolphins here. How many players? They got a few. I feel like the the tide have been the theme of this division so far. it's it's really weird, isn't it? I mean, but they're follow. You know, a lot of those teams, though, they follow in the New England Patriot footsteps, right? I mean, yeah. and and look, Bill Belichick, Nick Saban, they they were all the way back in the Cleveland Brown days together back then, and New England just, I mean, they're 
they're going to take the best player. And a lot of times Alabama has that best player in the draft ready available wherever mm-hmm. they're picking down there in the bottom of the room. So I think a lot of those teams are kind of following in those footsteps. And I think that's why Miami chose to talk a little great talent and all those things. Uh, but did you see that pass he threw to Tyreek Hill the other day? <laughs> uh, they did him no favors with no. that clip, did they? No. I, and that was put out by the Miami Dolphins public, public board, too, I think. I think that that's where that came from, the highlight film. Well, that, and that, that was one of good. the jokes that, that, that folks made when that trade happened. They were like, all the underthrows are going to happen. He's he's not going to be able yes. to hit Tyreek in stride, you know, like Mahomes could. So it'll be interesting how that kind of works out. Um on the flip side, if they get him involved, kind of like they, they did Waddle, who got a ton of targets, you know, he'll be able to use his legs some um, to, to maybe just get open in space. But, yeah, if he if he can't hit Tyreek Hill, you're, you're really going to take away his main weapon, which is his speed. So it'll be it'll be intriguing once <laughs> we see like preseason, the season starts to see if he continues to to underthrow because Tyreek's a guy that will get frustrated. He'll he'll be outwardly really frustrated. We've seen him go off on coaches and others. So if he's getting missed often, then that's going to put some pressure on Tua um, and that actual organization in front office uh, on what they want to do with him moving forward if he can't hit Tyreek Hill uh, down the field. Well, and they, they don't have anybody to hit him down the field because we know Tua is not wrapped in bubble wrap out there on the field. We know mm-hmm. he has a little bit of injury where he misses a game or two here and there all the time. All the time. It's going to end up happening every single year. And mm-hmm. then backing him up is Teddy Bridgewater. And Teddy Two Gloves cannot throw the ball down the field either. Look, <laughs> you talk about getting Tyreek open a little bit like they did Jalen Waddle. Mm-hmm. I watched Jalen Waddle with all those targets last year take a beating after beating after beating, man. And, yeah. uh, and, and Tyreek is not going to do that. We haven't seen Tyreek Hill effectively do that. He is going to be used to that Kansas City Chief offense where he is open down the field, that 10, 15-yard you know, pass play that they always have where he's open down the field or even farther. He's not going to be hanging around the line of scrimmage, man. Yeah. It's not Tyreek. And I've watched Tua for years. I don't want to say not be able to make that deep throw. But he's been very inconsistent on that deep throw. He has got great accuracy in that 5 to 10 to 15-yard range where he can really zip the ball in there. But, yeah. man, that slot receiver is Jalen Waddle, and I don't know where Tyreek Hill is going to fit into this offense. It's going to be interesting. Um, I'm excited. Like Some of the changes, I, I know it, sometimes it, it hurts if you're a fan of certain teams and these players leave, uh, but it just brings more intrigue to the teams they go to. Yeah, Tyreek Hill's definitely one of them. Uh, you got to think he's going to beat, you know, his defender. He's going to get open. Sure. So it's going to yes. be all about can Tua put the ball where it needs to be put. Um, yeah, Bridgewater's not a great deep ball thrower either. He's he's accurate. Um, I think he might be more accurate than, than Tua, but he's also conservative. So he's not going to take uh, a bunch of chances. But, I mean, even Cedric Wilson, so – He's gonna he's gonna be involved. Like he he showed up at the end of the the year for the the Cowboys himself when the the injuries to you know Gallup took place. So again, you look at you know Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle, Cedric Wilson. That's a pretty good three. You, you toss in Kaseki. You know we're talking about these young quarterbacks that that have some options around them. It's gonna be what they can do with the ball, and it's not gonna be the the cakewalk like I felt like it's been maybe the last year or two for the Bills. This is going to be a division. They're going to beat each other up, and I think all of these teams are, are going to win games. Uh, they may not all make the playoffs, obviously. They may not even all be in contention because, you know, injuries will happen. Teams won't be as good as we think. But, I mean, there's talent on paper 
on all four of these teams. Can I tell you something else about Tyreek Hill? And this is uh, as I think about going into redraft rooms and stuff like that here coming up very shortly, it's going to feel like uh, I'm approaching very cautiously with Tyreek Hill because of those things that we talked about earlier. But Mm -hmm. also Tyreek has an (laughs) off the field background as well. Yes. Uh, Okay. Miami and the environment in Miami is not very conducive to young men who have a tendency to get in trouble. Okay, and and that's that's just my feelings about this. And I don't know. The frustration level could be there to take a little uh, frustration on a night out in the town. I don't know, man. I'm just approaching Tyreek Hill very cautiously. I know last year he was a what he was one of the first wide receivers off the board Uh, and maybe Mm -hmm. not the first. But, you know, in in that top tier end of the first end of the first round, middle, second round, you know, you're thinking about Tyreek Hill for sure. I don't know where I'm going to get him this year if I'm going to take him at all, just because, and I'm going to probably miss out. Tyreek's going to probably have a great year, and I hope he listens to the podcast and he says he's going to stick it to me. I, I hope he, I hope he does. Okay? <laughs> I mean, that's I, a good point. I mean, Miami, you know, there's some party in the city where the heat's on. You know, you go down to Miami, and it's just it's dangerous for young, rich people in general. Uh, <laughs> just the, the the nightlife and just it's just the, the the spectrum of of Miami, but. Um, in addition, you got to look at like his injuries. So he he's got a lot of soft tissue injuries himself, uh, hamstrings, groins, and so you know you got to keep that in mind. Also, uh, he just got paid a lot of money. You know, sometimes folks aren't as motivated uh, once they get paid. We'll see how that plays out. Uh, also, no Andy Reid. So you know, we mentioned Josh McDaniels being gone with the Patriots. He didn't have Andy Reid, and Andy Reid's you know looked at as one of the more offensive geniuses. Uh, there in the NFL. So as you mentioned, there, there might not be plays and stuff to to get him, scheme him open uh, down in Miami like there was in Kansas City. So definitely proceed with caution. Uh, we know he's talented. So, I mean, you can take the, the risk. Don't say, you know, we're not saying don't draft Tyreek Hill. Just be cautious. You know, new scenery, uh, new offensive system. A, a lot of things can differ, new quarterback, et cetera. Who is the running back to own here? This is really uh, the division of zero RB. You know what I mean? This is like, <laughs> I can't find one. Uh, Chase Edmonds, Raheem Mostart, Sony Michelle signed there, and Miles Gaskin. It seems like it's always a revolving door with the Miami Dolphins at the running back <laughs> position, and I think that's uh, going to be exactly it this year. I don't see a front runner here. I don't know if I see a front runner for any of the running back, or for any of these teams from a running back perspective uh, in this division at all, Pierre. I just, I, I don't see any. Yeah, I agree. Again, the the whole running back by committee approach. I, I think you'll look at that Edmonds and, and Mostert. They, they, Eileen Mostert, the only reason Eileen Mostert is because Mike McDaniels is familiar with him. Okay. They were together uh, there in San Francisco. So he, he just should be used to that running scheme if he kind of uses a similar scheme to Shanahan. So I would lean there, but you know he's injury prone, so that may not go too great either but that's where I would lean initially uh, I could see uh Edmonds being more a third down guy but yeah I don't know it's tough there's there's too many heads here uh, I'll probably try to either avoid all of them or, or see which one's available late that I can just have in, in case a couple injuries happen all right Pierre I'm going to ask you some questions here uh, as we looked at all these, that we're gonna we're gonna zoom out a little bit here. Would okay. you rather have on your teams next season, your fantasy teams, Zach Wilson or Mac Jones? Zach Wilson. Zach. Would you rather have Zach Wilson or Tua Tagovailoa? Zach Wilson. 
Would you rather have Zach Wilson or Josh Allen? That's an easy one. <laughs> Josh Allen. Okay, all right, yeah, so we got that. Uh, any any running back out of here? Damian Harris, I guess, would be the top front runner just because of what he did last mm-hmm. year. Devin Singletary, which one yeah, out of those two? It, it'd be, so out of those two, it'd be, it'd be Harris for, for sure. I still like Damian Harris. Now, he's even banged up a bit last year, but I still mm-hmm. like them. I know New England's going to run the ball, um, but I also like Brees Hall. I, I don't think we can ignore uh, him maybe being that, that main league guy with the Jets. Uh, but I think I take Harris first out of out of everyone in this division running okay. back wise. Okay, we got some big names for the wide receivers. We got <laughs> Stephon Diggs. We have, uh, I guess, uh, we'll have to put Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle in there together. <laughs> I don't know anybody from that we could we would want to put in that boat. Uh, and and really, when you look at the Jets, I'm not sure that anybody has separated themselves there yet. And I know Garrett Wilson will be a popular name, but <laughs> I'll have to see him beat out Corey Davis, who had that good connection with Zach Wilson to start off last season. Which which wide receiver would you take first out of all these guys? I think I'd still take Tyreek um, just for the upside and, you know, those those big games that he can have. Uh, will Tua be able to give him the ball? I don't know, but, you know, he does have other weapons out there that can can still be distractions. You know, you got to pay attention to Waddle. You got to pay attention to, to Wilson, Gasecki. So I, I still take Tyreek. Um, I'm a little concerned about Diggs' decline there towards, you know, the end of last year. And, and last year, I think, you know, Gabe Davis could definitely be more involved. Uh, we, we mentioned Crowder. So, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I feel like Diggs is okay. He's gotten paid. He's okay targets. maybe taking the, the back seat. I know, but what did he, what what happened with those targets yep. is the, the thing. And, and Allen, you know, I feel like he's more opt to spread the ball around because he's, he's more talented. Uh, whereas some of these guys like two are going to have to depend on, you know, Tyreek and Waddle. He has to depend on them because his his arm talent isn't the talent of Allen. In addition to Allen can run. Like Josh Allen can yeah. steal a bunch of touchdowns with his legs as well. So I think he's got to take that all into account. So that's why I still go Tyreek first. Okay. And I, I say Tyreek, I'm going to have to see Tyreek beat out Jalen. I, yeah. I really am. I mean, it's we, we talked before, we talked last week or whatever, about the quarterback connection with the wide receiver and how a lot of these guys are getting their old mm-hmm. college people back. Let's not forget, Tua and Jalen go way back, man, like yeah. that. And, and uh, they've had that connection for a long time. And last year, Jalen Waddle had a lot of targets. A lot I don't, of targets. I don't know that Tyreek's, how many of those Tyreek's going to take because I just don't see Tyreek being that same kind of player that they were. Okay, yeah. so... Uh, and and uh, tight end situation there, oh, boy, Dawson <laughs> Knox, Mike Jacecki. I know. I think you said Jacecki was a sleeper before Hunter Henry or C.J. Uzama. And it's 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 uh, I think he'll he'll be there. I know he's on a, but I think a franchise tag, so he's just got the the one year. I think he'll he'll want to have a big season. He'll want to get paid. Again, you look at the weapons around him as well that can take some attention off now. He'll there. Waddle there, guys that can, you know, get behind the defense as well as can make plays, you know, with the ball. So that should just leave uh, Gusecki in really good position, one-on-one coverage. Uh, he was really good at Penn State as well. So I'll take Gusecki over okay. anyone here. Okay. All right. Sounds good. Hey, that wraps up our AFC East division, Pierre. Let's take a little look at the NBA playoffs, and then we'll head over to DFS Dreamer podcast over on the DFS DraftKings <laughs> site. We will do that. Don't forget to follow Pierre if you got any questions, comments, concerns over on Twitter at PWE31. On Twitter, you can follow me as well at Loafin' It. Don't forget to follow the show at FI Today with a little underscore. But 
you don't have to put that little underscore in there to get that prize picks match of your down payment. The, the prize picks just put in FI today as a user code. Are you ready, Pierre? We're still in the playoffs. I, I can't believe these playoffs are still going and going and going. <laughs> they, they feel like I told going. you they were going to get interesting. Like a lot of these series started off like 2-0. I'm like, oh, it's over. This team's just overmatched. But once you once you go to the road, that's when it starts. So I think every every series is now three two, yep. um, because you you got to win on the road. You know, I I feel basketball is probably the the sport where home court advantage matters the most. Personally, uh, home court, home field, however you want to say it. I, I feel like basketball is most important. And I think that's kind of showing here in these NBA playoffs. I agree, and and it really depends on uh, how much money is on underneath the, the, the or in the envelope underneath the pillow of the hotel room that the refs are staying in. Oh, Scott no. Foster. <laughs> hey, the Heat lead that series three two though over the Seventy Sixers. Uh, I thought this one was going to be over until Joel put on the mask like you and I talked about, and he he came back and uh, really made this thing interesting. And Bam Bam, Bam Abadeo Abadeo. <laughs> He didn't know what hit him. Adebayo. Didn't know what hit him there for a little bit. So uh, you still see this series going the Heat's way, or is this going to be a game seven here soon? I think I think it'll go seven. I do th- still think the Heat will win, but I think the Sixers will, will probably uh, have some life tonight. You know, they they stunk it up in Miami. Uh, they're game five, so they're they're back at home. Uh, Embiid, you know, I think he's over the the Jokic one in the the MVP. Uh, he'll be back to business tonight. So I do think that they they force uh, Game Seven, but I think Miami will will probably blow them out again when they return to Miami. Oh really? Okay, yeah. all right. Uh, and, and the Bucks over right now three two. What a what a block shot! What a play at the end of the game there. I, I didn't think that guy had it in him. Who who did it last night? I couldn't Drew remember. Holiday. Oh Drew Holiday. I didn't think yeah. Where how how small is Marcus Smart right now? I mean I know Marcus <laughs> Smart's a pretty short dude and he's not that big and I know he could you know pummel me. Uh, but I didn't know Drew Holiday was that big. He lived large. Yeah, Drew's Drew's good. He's always been good. Uh, the best. Holiday brother for sure, but it's pretty <laughs> ironic that he made those two defensive plays on the defensive player of the year. So smart one, defensive player of the year, and he got the block, then you know threw it off him out of bounds, then obviously the 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 game winning still to end it at the end. So that's been a really good series. Um, I I think that the Bucks probably ended at home now. Uh, Boston kind of lost the momentum. I don't see them winning twice there in Milwaukee. It, it's it's tough to get over something like that at the end of the game. Yeah. Uh, it really is. It's hard to get something, and and we'll see how motivated the Celtics are. Still kind of a young team. Still kind of a young mm-hmm. team. Uh, so we'll see if they can do that. And the Bucks, the Bucks, you got to knock off the champ, man. If you want to be the man, you got to beat the man, yes, right? Absolutely right. Absolutely uh, right. Suns and Mavericks. Suns are winning the series three games to two. I I still I can't believe the Mavericks won two games left for me. The Suns are going to win this one, Pierre, for me. You think they're winning tonight? I uh, that, yeah I do I, I'm not even paying attention <laughs> See, I, I to this one I don't think they win tonight like it's it's in Dallas like I don't know it's just you know those it's hard to win on the road in the playoffs and so you look at again coming off a, a big blowout loss there in Phoenix I, I feel like Luca and the Mavs will, will probably bounce back tonight uh, tie it up send it to Game Seven then the Suns close it out at home. 
I think I think the Suns fell asleep, and I think they got woke up, and and I think this one's over. Okay. All right, and Warriors and Grizzlies. Uh, this this Warriors lead the series three games to two. Pierre, what do you think about this one? How <laughs> this has been up and down, up and down. <laughs> the Grizzlies have played. They played well without Morant. You know, he he went out actually the game before uh, this last one, and they were right in it there. And you know, San Francisco there at Golden State, they were in that to the last second. So. Uh, definitely didn't expect a what, no. forty point win last night, no. but uh, I, I think I think Golden State closes out. Uh, Grizzlies had their, their last little hurrah in front of their home fans, and the the Warriors will will close the door on them. I think come tomorrow. Okay, all right. It, you know that, that's uh, all you gotta do is shoot. If they if they can shoot, which they <laughs> they can, and they should be able to knock this one out of the park. I just can't mm-hmm. see the Grizzlies hanging with them, and I I still I cannot wait for the green matchup with. <laughs> Chris Paul, I just want to see that. So bad. I am so selfish, but I want to see it so bad. It's coming. I think it's coming at least. All right. Hey, let's go over here to DraftKings, Pierre, where you and I love to talk about the different slates that we have on this each and every week in the NFL season for Mm -hmm. DraftKings on the main slate. And we we break it all down each and every game. Sometimes there's, what, 20 games it feels like, and then sometimes there's 12 (laughs) uh, on those long weeks. But we're going to do this tonight for baseball, and we haven't been able to do this at all. So you're going to have to bear with me on some of these little novice questions that I have. Okay. about DraftKings, because I want to pick your brain about how you make a lineup. I'm used to playing over on Yahoo. I know DraftKings has got a lot more player eligibility as far as positions go. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I want to know how you, if you, you stack them up like you do in football. I do. I do. So it's tough. It's really tough because you can you can one and two it here or there, uh, but that really doesn't get you anywhere. I, I feel like it's it's almost a trap. Because when you when you're when you're not stacking, you're you're basically just picking random players on a bunch of different teams, and yeah, they could they could all do well. With the the odds of that happening aren't aren't very aren't very high at all. Um, yeah. When it comes to to stacking, you, you need one team to have a hot night. Is ultimately what you need. If you get that team right, you're going to be in good shape. You get that team wrong, you're going to lose everything. So that's kind of the the 50-50 chance. If you pick a team, they score 13 runs. If you got five of them, you're, you're probably going to have a, a pretty good a, a chance of having the ones that go off. Uh, but on the flip side, if you, you stack five and they get shut out, you're, you're not going to cash uh, that night. But in order to, to win tournaments, like when it comes to, to tournament winning, uh, the most success comes from, from stacking, which you can stack up to five on DraftKings. Some do like five and then three from another team. Some do, you know, five, two, one, which is five from one team, two from another team, one. And then some just do, you know, five, then, you know, three separate players from other teams. But stacking's going to be what you want from a, a tournament standpoint, not necessarily to, to double up. But if you want to win a tournament, you, you ultimately, most times, more often than not, you need to stack up a team and, and hope they, they score a lot of runs that night. Yeah, my one-offs are always players uh, with, with BVPs. I, I love I love looking at BVP, you know, batter versus pitcher uh, mm-hmm. history. I love looking at that, and that's usually my one-offs, uh, especially if I can get it with a team with a high run total or expected run total for that night. Yep. What what about matching up though your stacks with a pitcher? Do you do that, or do you just pick the best pitchers of the night? I try to pick the the best pitchers of the night. Um, what I I tend to look at most are the pitchers K percentage um, and what they're kind of averaging on the season, as well as the the strikeout percentage of the lineup they're facing. 
Um, so, for example, I know we're going to dive into it, but tonight, the highest price guys, Dylan Cease uh, with the White Sox, he has a 28.8 uh, strikeout percentage right now. Uh, the lineup that the Yankees are running out strikes out 23.7% of the time. Uh, so I'm probably going to play Dylan Zeese. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he's projected for about seven strikeouts. Um, the, the, the hiccup here is oftentimes on small slates, the, the highest owned pitcher for some reason gets shelled. So <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised that the, the Yankees are the stack to have tonight. I'm not going to have them. I'm going to probably be, you know, chalky, go with Dylan Cease, just given the matchup. But you'll see that some of your top pitchers have their worst games on short slates, which is really unique to me. I usually make, you know, four lineups maybe a, a night of, you know, four quarters. I put four quarters in the machine. <laughs> there you go. And, and uh, I, will, I will pick the chalky pitchers, just like you talked about. And then I'll try to pick the pitchers and match them with somebody low. I, I'll usually try to do a, a combined two best pitchers of the night. But like you said, the Yankees are going to probably be the team to stack tonight. It's going to feel like, and, and it just <laughs> seems like that's how DFS goes. And, and I, I don't know if major league baseball does that or not, where like they go, okay, use these balls tonight. Make sure, make sure Dylan <laughs> throws these balls tonight. Cause they're loaded. I don't know. I don't know, but that's what it feels like sometimes. So I'm, I'll probably go with Dylan. C. I'll probably go with that second best pitcher, but then I'll probably try to mix and match those guys with those one offs, uh, later on, uh, you know, low, later, later lower that I think have got a good matchup. And then I'll try to get two T pops and so I can jam home a bunch of those bats just in case it goes the other way on some of those things, just to be a little contrarian beer yeah and that's that's what it's about like uh contrarian you gotta be smart with it but you, you gotta be contrarian most most of the time when you see a, a tournament winning lineup they're not playing all the people that are supposed to do well they're not playing <laughs> the chalk quote unquote there's there's at least one or two guys where you're like why in the world did they play them and they go nuts they got their own process i think stacking helps you do that without having to pick and choose because when you stack, you at least for MLB, I, I tend to do you know four or five. Sometimes I do four by four, four by three, but you're gonna do four or five, and oftentimes you're forced if you follow that process to put in you know guys you wouldn't usually play. So that's just the that's just the uniqueness, I guess, when it comes to to DFS, when it comes to baseball, because you got a, a Mike Trout that could go zero for five, then you got a backup catcher that it might hit a home run. And, you know, they're paying off that that 2K salary. People are going to play Mike Trout. A lot of people aren't going to play that that backup catcher who's batting, you know, 100 average, et cetera. Um, but that's just the uniqueness and the variance of MLB DFS. All right. Well, let's get to these six games that we have here. Or three games? Three games, six three teams. Games. Three games, six teams right now. Only one of the teams are above five as is for an expected score that I have from Odd Shark here. And that's the New York Yankees uh, over five. Philadelphia Phillies have the lowest scoring uh, output at 4.2. So we'll be looking at these guys. So, Pierre, let me ask you, a new mm-hmm. young kid, Heasley. Heasley, is that how he's? Heasley, I don't think he's a distant relative of mine, is he? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Jonathan Heasley uh, just got caught up from AAA Isle, Omaha. I think Omaha's mm-hmm. uh, the royal system there. So getting ready to you know make a, a start. He he's got a pretty good <laughs> K K uh, the, yeah. the walk percentage, thirty to four right now, point uh, nine six whip in twenty one point six innings. So we'll we'll see. I like this this matchup here uh, right now. It's the, the highest over under out of the three games. Uh, it's tough with, with Texas because they got the heat, which you want. 
but they also got a humidor, so it depends on what they'll they'll do with the stadium there, whether they close it up or not. Uh, but he's going to be interesting. You know, really cheap price. I think folks are going to play him. Uh, you look at, again, his stats down in AAA. It looks really good. Um, looking right now, the lineup that the, the Rangers are rolling out strikes out about 22.5% um, of the time. So we'll, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Okay. All right. So uh, Heasley or Hearn there. You got Hearn as well uh, on the backside of that Texas thing. Here's what I know. Kansas City does not strike out a lot. So it's going to be really a tough battle for Hearn to be able to put up a lot of fantasy points, averaging, what, eight, eight, almost nine fantasy points per game uh, for DraftKings. I don't see him going over that very much, if at all. Yeah, I, I'm not sure he will either. So I, I like the Royals against left-handed pitchers. So mm. I'll, I, I won't be shocked if I go with the Royals. Um, one thing I also like to do, so the, the Rangers are projected to, to win this game. Right now they're projected for four and a half. Uh, runs almost 4.6, whereas Kansas City's only projected at 3.9. Again, highest over under at, at eight and a half. But I like to to go with the opposite team. Uh, I don't blame so you on this one. What I what I usually do is if it's a high over under and a lot of folks are are going to play the Rangers, for example, I like to to play the the Royals um, just because you mentioned it earlier. Being contrarian, uh, you can kind of get that same total. You know, but she just had the opposite team and opposite bats in that game. Yeah, it was not only that, but Kansas City kind of woke up their bats, woke up a little bit last night. Mm-hmm. Uh, you had Whit Merrifield being really red hot right there, so maybe that is the contrarian play to do. Lewis Gill, is that, did I say Gill? Gill? Yes. Yes. <laughs> for the Yankees, another young rookie there against the White Sox. I love that veteran offense for the White Sox. I believe against Gill. He's at 7,200. I don't know what you think about rookies, Pierre, and putting them in there. I, I don't – I. I get scared. I'll just be honest with you. I get scared. And, and I think out of these two rookies, I'd probably rather have Heasley going up against the Texas offense than I would uh, with the Yankee guy going against the White Sox. Yeah, I think I'd rather have Heasley as well. Um, the, the tough part with rookies is you never know how 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 long of a leash they're going to have. Right. And, and what you need, you want innings. You want them out there on the mound. Uh, you want them to hopefully be able to pick up a win because on, on DraftKings, you get four um, extra points if they get the win, but they have to go five innings to get the win. So that's something you got to take into account. Uh, you look at the the two teams. So I'm personally more afraid of the White Sox lineup than I am the, the Rangers lineup as well. So that's the, the toughest warm, you know, there in, in Chicago as well, 85. But you look at Tim Anderson, Moncada, Abreu, Luis Robert, uh, there's yeah. just – yeah. There's a lot. There's a lot to deal with in that line. That's why I easily. There's going to be a little puddle out there on the mound where Lewis, I don't know if it'll be sweat or something else. In AAA, too, by the way, as you try to take a flyer on Gil, he owns a 953 ERA and has walked nearly identical, a 14.5% of opposing batters. But So I don't, I don't, I, yeah. Uh, no, no. <laughs> Zach Wheeler coming off the COVID stuff. Once again, don't know how much of a leash he will have to be able to get the win down there in L.A. They're going to be on the road. Philadelphia has been on a terrible road trip as well. It feels like they've been on the road. Uh, Los Angeles is returning home. They were on a road trip as well for them. I don't know what, what works out better there. All the Dodgers players, their grass is going to be tall. They're going to have to mow the yards. Are they going to be tired coming to the ballpark? I don't know. Uh, but Zach Wheeler is one of those pitchers i want to be able to depend on i don't know if i'm going to be able to depend on him tonight though yeah it's it's tough because he's like you said he's coming off the the covet list but i mean before he went on he was he was doing 
You yeah. know, 28 and a half, 27.1. Uh, he should be familiar with the, the Dodgers. He's he's pitching this division even when he was with the Mets. You know, well, he's been in the, the NL, so he, he should be familiar with the Dodgers. Um, oh, It's tough. It's tough because you don't know if he's going to have a pitch count. Um, But on the flip side, he should be rested. So, you know, he, he might be ready to go. So it's tough. I, I like Wheeler. Um, the, the lineups for, for this game hasn't come out. It's a late start at 10, 10. So I don't, I don't know the actual strikeout rate from the, the Dodgers lineup, but looking at Wheeler, you know, he's got a 26% K percentage himself. Uh, he's projected for a five and a half right now. So I'll, I'll probably roll the dice and, and hope that others are concerned about the, for one, the out. They'll, they'll see the out on DraftKings because, you know, they, they had him out from his COVID, re, uh, his COVID reserve, but he'll mm-hmm. be in. So, but just the Dodgers folks, again, are going to be afraid of the Dodgers as well and their lineup. So I, I might roll the dice with Wheeler and, and see if it pays off for me. Uh, my roster ship projections here, I see him as being one of the uh, middle tiered uh, owned rostered p- pitchers. You got uh, Cease at 81%, Tyler Anderson at 40%, and then you got Gill and Wheeler there at the 25%. I'll definitely take Wheeler over Gill at this point. <laughs> yes, yes, for sure. Wheeler over Gill. All right, Anderson there. And for the Dodgers, once again, returning home. Uh, I I like Anderson, 15.7 DraftKings points each and every time out there. Philadelphia's lineup seems to be a little bit rough and tumble right now. They're not swinging the bat really well. I I don't mind Anderson. I I wish Schwarber would get going, but I don't know that he's going to be able to get going against Anderson tonight. Yeah, it's tough with Schwarber. Uh, That lefty-lefty matchup for him is pretty difficult. I I tend to like him against the righties, but he's been pretty bad. Uh, the last three or four games, but what are they batting him at leadoff for, Pierre? Why are they batting him at leadoff? <laughs> the same reason the Cubs batted him at leadoff. <laughs> He's just his power. You hope he can see a, a early, you know, an early fastball. Uh, you know, get under it and you know, send it out of the park. It's why they bat him leadoff. But well, they got J- they got Segura. Put Segura there. Segura's a three hundred batter. Put some people on in front of those people. Let them get some fantasy stats. I get why it. It's all about pitches. It's about some pitches you see as as a leadoff. He he does have a pretty good eye. Like um, he if you remember, like he he can he can track a ball pretty well. Most of the time that he's caught out on strikes if he's not swinging, it's usually a ball. Uh, he gets on base from walks, but yeah, he's he's been in a brutal stretch here the last few games. Okay, all right. All right. Dylan Cease, before I have a conniption here, uh, drafted at 24, 24 points going against the Yankees, though. Yankees strike out a lot, like you said, here, so mm-hmm. so that's not a bad matchup, but he's 10K. He's hit that 10K mark. Are we going to go with Dylan Cease tonight? I think if so. He- um, you're looking at, at pitching here, so you, you tend to want to be about two and a half uh, when it comes to the value that you want, so you're looking around 25. He, he's gotten there pretty, pretty good. What all but two games, maybe. So I think he's, he's going to be just fine. He's also averaging like 30 um, at home. Uh, you look at uh, the angels, he put up 40 uh, point 40 and a half, uh, basically uh, Kansas city, 24, you know, almost 28 against Tampa. So he's been really good at home. He's at home tonight. We, you just mentioned that the Yankees do strike out quite a bit. So I think you can pay up for him and, Hope that it's not one of those nights where the top pitcher gets shelled. All right. How are we going to do this? You want to pick up pitchers right now and then move on? Yeah. Um, so let's go cease. You go, let's we'll go, go cease. cease. Okay. Yeah. And we'll go cease. And I want to go Wheeler. Okay. You want to go Wheeler? You mentioned, you mentioned his ownership. Uh, he's got the most talent to be not as owned as others. 
Okay. All right. You're going to put us behind the eight ball here. I don't mind at all. We got 4K going into the catcher position here, Pierre. And uh, you're talking about some catchers. Uh, Pierre uh, Perez, he has been – I know you're talking about Kansas City players. I don't know if you can count on Perez, though. He, he got a couple of hits last night, I think, or a couple – he got on base a couple of different times. He's averaging six DraftKings points. He's at 4,800. Mm-hmm. Are, you, are you looking to start a stack with Pierre Perez tonight with your Kansas City? I think so. Um he started off a bit, so he's he's got an eight plus um, in four of his last five games. I do like, as I mentioned, uh, the Royals against the lefty, um, and Hearn's a lefty. So if we go stack, and I can probably save some money here, I'll just stack up the Royals. So looking at their lineup, uh, Sal Perez is batting third, so I would go Sal Perez at catcher. Okay. Whit Merrifield at second base uh, to but get he's the not- leadoff hitter. What Merrifield's not playing first on DraftKings? No, he's a he's a second baseman I, here. I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, give me the rookie, Bobby Witt Jr. at third base. Okay. Uh shortstop will save a little bit with Nicky Lopez. Uh, okay. a little lefty lefty action. And then um he has speed. He bats lower in the order, but he's good against lefty too. So give me Michael Taylor uh, in the outfield. So that'll be five Royals there to stack up. Uh, that's going to be Sal Perez, Whit Merrifield, Bobby Witt Jr., Nicky Lopez, Michael Taylor. Okay, Michael Taylor. All right, I can. I I was going to ask you about Michael Taylor, and I'm glad you brought him up because he he does seem to do well, and that offense is clicking right now. So we're building the the stack. So now we got our one offs ready to go mm-hmm. here. First base, outfield, and outfield uh, is what we're looking for, Pierre. Do you have anybody who you're really looking at uh, to 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 stack up in that? Yeah, so you mentioned this topic earlier, and I don't usually like to play batters against the pitcher, mm-hmm. um, but I don't mind it as a, a one-off because they can ultimately hit a, a solo home run, even two, and your pitcher still get there. And you mentioned uh, BVP, and one of the, the bigger BVPs on the slate tonight is Freddie Freeman oh, yeah. uh, going up against Zach Wheeler. Uh, 48 plate appearances against him, has 21 hits. Uh, six extra base hits, uh, two of those home runs. So give me Freddie Freeman, uh, who's been warming up there at the first base position against one of our pitchers, uh, Zach Wheeler. Well, if you're going to do that, then, Pierre, is there any way that you're going to be able to put uh, Cody Bellinger in there as well? Cody has had a huge games against Zach Wheeler, mm-hmm. and I know Cody is going to be one of those people that people don't want to play whenever they're building these lineups because it's Cody Bellinger who hasn't performed very well, but he's had 11 at-bats, four home runs against Zach Wheeler, five strikeouts on the other <laughs> opposite side of that, and he's batting 364 with a slugging percentage of 1455. Yeah, yeah, he's he's the other one that that pops with the the v, the batter versus pitcher. Uh, my question would be, how many of those were in his MVP season? Mm. Um, I'm not sure, but you look at all four hits that he has against him and 11 at bats have been home runs. If that was all in his MVP season, he hasn't been that same guy. Uh, if you wanted to go that route, though, you could put you know him in the outfield because. Um, the other guy that I'm, I'm going to put in right now uh, on the White Sox has first base and outfield eligibility. So you could okay. technically put this guy at, at first and, and Bellinger in the outfield. That's Gavin Sheets uh, yes. of the of the White Sox. So he's been hot. Um, he's a lefty, uh, so he, he has a platoon advantage. He's going to be batting six today uh, against the rookie Gill, who, who does have con- control issues. He's got a 355 uh, Woba, 250 ISO. 
Uh, he's went yard and back-to-back games, so I like to ride the hot bat. So I'm going to go with Gavin Sheets in the outfield there, 3,600. All right. Well, we got 5,600. That that pretty much gives us anybody we want here. Anybody we want. <laughs> hey, we got to pick. We got to pick a White Sox against the kill, man. We got to against the Yankees. So I got a White Sox with, with Sheets. Um, if okay. you want, you yeah. could go. You could go, uh, Luis Robert. Uh, I'm actually just going to pay up for Philly here. Okay. I'm torn because I got one that, you know, I'm kind of partial to. No. no. Uh, and Nick Castellanos, okay. uh, he's really good against lefties. He'll be probably batting fourth for 4,400. But since I have the money, I'm just going to go up and, and get the, the top dog on the, the billing here. I know it's lefty-lefty, uh, but he's still averaging about 9.1 uh, points against lefties. Uh, he's been pretty hot, you know, what, five out of his last six. So go ahead and give me Bryce Harper. Uh, 5,500. Uh, see, he can round out our lineup, has the, the double uh, home run potential. So Bryce Harper will close us out. Yeah, and Tyler Anderson's one of those guys who who has a short leash at times as well. Uh, a, more of a bullpen guy, but he's you know he's gotten to five innings once or twice I think this year. But usually around that four inning mark, he starts getting a little wobbly. So. <laughs> Bryce Harper might not be affected as much with that lefty-lefty matchup. So good job. I like that. Entering it, Pierre, are we going to do a basketball one? Do we have time to do a basketball one? Yeah, so I kind of have a build here, so we can go Already? over it real fast. Yeah. Okay. Good, I mean, good. I'm I'm an NBA guy, so uh, the higher the higher over-under is going to be the, the, the Suns and Dallas second game here, but I, I want to get some of these – these home players. So at point guard, uh, I've slotted in uh, Maxi uh, for the the Sixers, 6,400. He plays much better, much better at home. Uh, Again, Philly is at home tonight. So I'm going Maxi, 6,400 there. Um, Shooting guard, having Brunson right now uh, for the the Mavs at 6,300. Again, another home team. Uh, He's come on strong here late. Uh, the last two out of the, the three games, I expect uh, both these teams to, to win <laughs> uh, at home. So give me Brunson, Danny Green, 4,200. Uh, to give me another sixer, he's more a salary saver because I'm going to pay up for a few guys here. But again, the, the same uh, home road splits. Uh, he's been a lot better there in Philly. Give me Jimmy Butler uh, there at 9,800 uh, against the, the Sixers there for the Heat. He's the the main guy that that makes the the wheels turn there with Miami. Uh, he's been better on the road during the playoffs. Uh, fifty one and a half at Atlanta, sixty six and a half at Atlanta. The two games in Philly, he's at fifty point eight, sixty one point three. So I like Jimmy Butler. I'm gonna save again uh, when it comes to the center position. So a lot of folks will probably try to get up to him beat. I'm gonna go with a backup here and Bismack Biombo. Uh, he saw 21 minutes uh, there against Phoenix, uh, there for Phoenix against the, the Mavs. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they kind of switched up the rotations. So I don't mind him. If he's getting 21 minutes, he can pay off that almost minimum salary. I need him because my guard spot's going to Luka. Uh, basically a do-or-die game for the Mavs. Uh, their team's based around Mr. Doncic here. We saw the big games he put up at home, you know, uh, against the, the Suns earlier. So give me Luka. Going to get one Phoenix Sun. Give me Crowder, uh, 5,400. Two big games on the road uh, against Dallas earlier. Then I uh, need another a salary saver. Another trend I saw was uh, Davis Bertans. Uh, played almost 20 minutes. More a three-point sniper, so you really need his threes to go in. Uh, but him and Biombo helped me get guys like Luca, 
and Jimmy Butler. So Maxi, Brunson, Danny Green, Jimmy Butler, Bismack Biombo, Luka Doncic, uh, Jay Crowder, Davis Bertans is the lineup build I have. All right, Pierre, we did a DFS streamer podcast. We even played, <laughs> plugged in a little quarters there. I like it. Hey, don't forget, everybody, you can hit him, uh, Pierre, over on Twitter. He uh, does post a lot of different things each and every day over there on Twitter at Peewee31. Uh, and, and, and I hope, Pierre, that we are, will be doing this more often if we can get together and do this, and we'll get this uh, ironed up and straightened out a little bit more. You can follow me on Twitter as well, at Lofinet. Don't forget to follow the show at FI Today with a little underscore if you want to sign up for those prize picks discount and that matching deposit bonus. Just use FI Today on your uh, as a code. Use FI Today as a code. But more importantly than all those other things, we always want to encourage you to find a way to make a positive impact in somebody's life today. 